Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello Retrospectors, Ollie here. Yes, it's my turn. All this week we've been choosing our favourite episodes of 2023 and now it's mine. Mine recalls the events of May the 23rd, uh, which this year were connected to May the 23rd, 1701. Proper history. You may not have expected that from me. But, uh, you know, I'm not all Spice Girls and Cornflakes. Sometimes I like to talk about the proper old stuff as well. Uh, Before I tell you about what it is, though, just may I add my personal thanks to Club Retrospectors supporters who are listening to this right now on their ad-free feed and feeling superior. Um, Thank you, guys. You're our favourites. You are supporting the show. You keep us going. We really appreciate all the members of Club Retrospectors on Patreon and Apple Podcasts a lot more than our very minimal recourse to shout-outs would suggest. It's just a question of time economy. Um, but thank you so much for supporting our show. And if you haven't joined Club Retrospectors yet, then why not? It's less than a pound per week for full-length Sunday episodes one whole year before they're released and the opportunity to unlock over a 100 bonus bits from our archive. And what an opportunity. Uh, you can join Club Retrospectors now at patreon.com slash retrospectors or via Apple Podcasts. You can get a free trial. Go on. Um, right, ado over. There'll be no further ado. Um, my favourite episode of 2023 was, drumroll, Captain Kidd, Pirate or Privateer which is about the day that William Kidd was executed for piracy and murder. Uh, My philosophy is, if you're going to have someone's death as the starting point for an episode of the show, it really helps if it's an execution, because it gives you a very strong opener. In this case, he was hanged for a crime he didn't commit, so that's extra spicy. And... I didn't really know anything about Kidd before I researched this episode, so it's nice for me to learn something too. I guess in kind of Mallet's Mallet word association terms, I always would have linked Captain Kidd with Pirate. But that's about as much as I knew. During researching this, I learned what a privateer was, I learned what a French pass is or was, which is all kind of useless information unless you intend to jump in the DeLorean and head back to the 18th century, but I... Enjoy introducing trivia to my brain, and this episode does that. It also shows this story how fickle the English establishment can be. You know, it turns on a dime. You suddenly go from flavour of the month to public enemy number one. Nothing much has changed there. I'm also really proud of the editing that we did on this one because we have condensed quite a complicated 25-minute conversation we had about this day in history into a brisk 10 minutes. And I suppose at some base level... I just quite like the world of pirates and ships and plunder. I know in reality it would have been horrendously grim to be on a pirate ship, but it 
It feels like escapism when you're in Hertfordshire in December. So enjoy it. Have a very happy new year. We will be back from January the 1st. Remember that. Next year, 2024, new episodes from the very first day. We're coming straight back at you. And we have a cracking week of shows for you next week. So see you then. Here's the episode. When the hangman's rope broke and Captain William Kidd fell to the ground with a bump today in history in 1701, he might have been thinking he'd been given a long overdue and quite literal break. But unfortunately, the reprieve didn't last very long as a new rope was soon found and the convicted pirate was brought back to the gallows. And this time the noose did its work. Yeah, and it was a pretty fitting end to what had been a spectacularly botched trial as well. Captain Kidd, obviously now a bit of a byword for piracy, but a lot of apologists out there, there are many of them, will say that he was never actually a pirate and that he was instead spectacularly stitched up. His influential patrons had been Whigs and the new Tory government basically wanted to tar their opponents by linking them to a notorious pirate. Several key pieces of evidence, we'll probably get to this later, mysteriously went missing. And several of his former crew members committed perjury in order to press the case against him. In fact, clearly realising the trial was a sham, during day two, he told the court, I will not trouble this court anymore, for it is folly. And indeed, he did proclaim from the gallows to the lively crowd that had gathered at Wapping um, that he was an innocent man. But his defence to being an innocent man was essentially... I'm not a pirate, I'm a privateer. Mm. And I must say, looking back on it from 2023, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of distinction. No. But the difference was, in the late 17th century, being a pirate was going off on the high seas to plunder for yourself. Being a privateer was something done with the approval of the government. Governments issued privateering licences, effectively commissioning captains to hunt down enemy merchant ships so long as they gave the admiralty a share of any plunder. Without the licence, you were a pirate. So like many pirates or privateers, depending on which side you're going to fall down (laughs) at the end of this, um, we don't have a lot of biographical information about who exactly Captain William Kidd was. There's a baptismal record from Dundee in 1645 of a William Kidd, who was the son of a ship's captain called John Kidd, which is possibly slash probably him. And if so, it would make him 56 years old on this day in history. He probably went to sea pretty young, as was very common at the time, but he doesn't really show up in the historical record until 1689. Yeah, he was known to be a very skilled swordsman, a fine seaman, and evidently a person of some charisma. He eventually ended up serving Britain and was sent to pillage French settlements in the West Indies. Uh, He spent most of his time living in New York City, where he'd settled and married a very well-off woman, Sarah Oort. The richest widow in New York. No less. Right, yeah, so he did very well for himself and quickly became a man of both property and status in the city. And respectability. Yeah. Like, you know, so he had this reputation, both genuinely because of his skills at sea, but also because literally lived in a huge house in New York. Everyone knew who he was, part of high society. And then he arrives in London in 1695. He's 40 years old. He is established... He is not someone you would see as a pirate. He'd been sent there on behalf of the governor of New York, New Hampshire, Massachusetts Bay, Richard Coote, who basically, you know when hackers hack into company databases and then they end up getting offered jobs because they know the flaws <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of the system. a white hat privateer, wasn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, this, this governor basically offered him a job as pirate antivirus. You know, his targets were several notorious pirates, including his frenemy, a guy called Robert Culliford, who he'd had a few clashes with before. He'd also served on the same ship 
ship as him before. And Richard Coote, the governor, clearly had enough confidence in Kidd to front £1,000 of his own money towards the £6,000 outfitting of Kidd's massive new 34-gun ship called the Adventure Galley, which was being built in London, and that's why Kidd went to London to sail off in it. And legend has it that as the ship sailed down the Thames to begin its pirate hunting voyage, it failed to salute a Royal Navy yacht it passed, which was the custom. The yacht was offended, and the crew fired around to signal their displeasure, to which the crew of the Adventure Galley responded by mooning the Royal Navy yacht, (laughs) slapping their buttocks. (laughs) But despite the elite backing, the expedition was a total disaster. He had set sail for Madagascar, which was where he expected to find the pirates he was targeting. But on the way, there was an outbreak of cholera on the ship. There were also unexpected leaks. And when they finally arrived in Madagascar, the pirates weren't there, meaning neither was the much-needed booty. Morale was rock bottom at this point, and so were funds. You know, it was very common at the time for sailors to not receive any pay at all, so they really lived off of the booty. So the fact that they weren't getting any loot was a serious problem. And this is when it started to go a little bit off the rails. There was a gunner on the ship called William Moore who saw a Dutch ship in the distance and he wanted to fire on it. But because, you know, as Kidd would later argue in court, because he was a legitimate privateer, he was not permitted to fire on a Dutch ship that wasn't part of his commission. And apparently during the row over this, he then struck William Moore over the head with an iron-clad bucket, which caused him a fatal head wound. We've all been there, disputes at work. (laughs) (laughs) Still, though, his mission went on. He actually uh, soon arrived at his biggest prize on January the 30th in 1698. He totally hit the jackpot when he captured the Quidar Merchant, which was an Indian ship that was carrying silks and muslins and gold, silver, jewels, all of this stuff that was estimated to be valued at the time at about £75,000, which would be about £9 today. And it also had on it a French pass. Yeah, basically they had a pass from the French government permitting them to travel under its protection. And, you know, the status of the ship itself was unclear. It was owned by an Indian. It was being hired by Armenian merchants and they were under the protection of France. And so all of this by kids, you know, at this point, quite strained logic. He was under a lot of stress, made it a French vessel and therefore fair game. That was in his commission. He was like, basically French. Let's jump on board. I mean, it was a good opportunity for him, not only the silver and the jewels and all that, but enough to pay off the crew and get them off his case. I mean, he must have been worried that they might kill him in the night and still leave him enough so that all of his backers in London would double their money. So, you know, this after a year of being at sea is going to be feeling quite good for him, right? This is good news. (laughs) Well, I mean, mistake number one was that quite a lot of the cargo on the ship was owned by a prominent politician at the Indian court. And the emperor, Aurangzeb, was outraged by the loss of this ship and all its cargo and demanded compensation immediately from the East India Company. So that already has him in yet more hot water. Kid stops off along the way where he encounters his old friend, Robert Culliford, and it didn't go very well. At this point, his crew were incredibly fed up and they voted with their feet by 100 to 15 to mutiny to Culliford. Culliford's newly enlarged crew then turned around and proceeded to rinse all three of the ships that Kid was commanding at the time. But Kid had a sufficiently charismatic personality that he was able to persuade them to leave him and the 15 people who had stuck with him their share of the loot. He loses the adventure galley, which he had to abandon after this confrontation, but he does get to patch up the Kedar merchant and return in that with minimal crew, again still thinking somewhat victoriously, I guess. (laughs) But what greets him when he gets there is, whilst he was away, Parliament in Britain had passed the 1698 Piracy Act. He's kind of public enemy number one. No one wants to admit they backed him, and he's chucked 
in Newgate Prison. <laughs> now the Tories are in charge and they basically want to get him before the Commons to testify against their political opponents, the Whigs, who had financed his uh, journey in the first place. But but unfortunately for Kidd again, it like Parliament had just broken up, so he was chucked in prison for a good year, like kept in this terrible prison in solitary for all this time, just waiting to, for the opportunity to get up in court where the Tories want him to say that he was sent by Whigs to go a pirating. And he has other ideas. He's like, I'm not a pirate. This wasn't a, pi- a mission of piracy. I was authorised by the king to go out and do exactly what I did. But because he was no use to the Tories, they just basically said, turned him over to the Admiralty and said, oh, well, good luck with your prosecution then. Yeah, and I mean, the key piece of evidence was that French pass that the Kedar merchant was carrying. It had mysteriously vanished. You know, Kid had pled in vain for the trial to be delayed until it was found. We would have been waiting till 1910. Well, they basically, you know, he was like, can you look again? They were like, no. And I think it was at this point he realised that the deck was definitely stacked against him. Yes, but the French pass says, plural, did turn up 200 years later, as I say, they are now in the National Archives. He was right. They did exist. He did have an argument as to why he wasn't a pirate. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a stitch up because he was convicted of premeditated murder and the murder weapon was a bucket that he grabbed off the deck. You know, if he premeditated it, he didn't do it very well. Mm. (laughs) Nonetheless, it brings us to this day. Why Wapping? Uh, Because that's the home of London's maritime community. What did they do with his body afterwards? Display it. Tie it to a stake. Let three tides wash over him, which was the custom, and then take it down by boat to Tilbury, where he was squeezed into an iron cage suspended overlooking the Thames as a warning to other would-be pirates. And we've talked about this kind of thing before, you know, what do they do with the bodies after they executed someone? Oh, they strung it up as a warning. And I suppose, in my mind, I sort of imagine that being for like a day or two. But no, his his rotting, stretched cadaver was there for like 600 days. <laughs> I sort of half wonder whether it's just a kind of job shirking business of people going, look, we'll clear him out tomorrow. It's been like two years. <laughs> I, uh, just tomorrow, it won't, it won't matter. One more day. <laughs> I just think after a month, you've all got the message. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I bet there was a lot less mooning of Royal Navy yachts. <laughs> yeah, probably was. Right. 